Welcome to the podcast of Corey Turner Ministries. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Turner. For more information, please connect to his website, CoreyTurnerMinistries.com. Fantastic. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you're here. We're here. And because, Lord, those two people are present, Lord, anything can happen and it probably will. And Father, we're expecting, we're full of faith, we're hungry, Lord, to hear from you tonight. And God, I just pray that, Lord, as we heard this morning about your love, Lord, I pray that both your love and tonight your fire would come and minister into every heart in this place. We thank you, Lord, that you're already moving, you're already stirring, you're already healing and transforming. God, we, we're so grateful that you manifest yourself, you make yourself known, Lord, in, in the company of your people. And Father, we don't take that for granted. We open up our hearts, oh God. Perform surgery on our hearts, but fire us up tonight. Speak into our spirits. Encourage us, motivate us. Get us to where you want us to be. And let the name of Jesus become more famous in this city of Melbourne, in this nation of Australia, and all across the earth, if you believe it. Come on, let's put our hands together and just honour Him one more time. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Rick, I was just so, uh, those of you who know Rick, um, aren't you impressed by this man? I, um, I, yeah, you can stand there and I can embarrass you just for a moment. Um, Rick, God just showed me a picture of a blacksmith working on, uh, working on an instrument and, and, and hammering it and working it and it was a weapon and and it's like this weapon had been in preparation uh, in the blacks with the black blacksmith for a long period of time, and uh, you've weathered uh, the storms of life. You've weathered seasons of uh, uh, ministry and life, uh, both in the life of this church and in others. And I just felt like God wanted to encourage you around your faithfulness and your consistency. You encourage me so much. The joy of the Lord is inside of you. And you encourage me so much when I just see that week in, week out, your faithfulness and your consistency. And, 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 I, and I want to encourage you. I felt like that, that weapon was being set apart and, and getting ready for a significant battle to come. And I just want to encourage you that whatever battles that you may face in your future... Um, is that God has done the work in you that is needed to overcome whatever opposition, whatever an enemy may be coming against you and, and to encourage you around your own faithfulness and consistency because you are an example to many people here. And uh, I'd just love to pray with you. Father, I thank you for Rick. I thank you, Lord, for uh, this man's faithfulness. I thank you for his consistency. I thank you, Lord, for the example that he sets, oh God, not that he intends to set, not that he intends to walk around and have people follow his example, but just how he carries himself, how he lives his life, how he loves you in worship. God, we honour him today. And I thank you, Father, that you are preparing him. Lord, he's overcome so much. 
but even in days to come where uh, the opposition of the enemy would come against him, I thank you, Father, that he is strong, that, Lord, you've sustained him. He's, he's uh, got the endurance and capacity that he needs to do what you've called him to do. And I just pray, Lord, today, may the fire and power and love that, he, that is in the name of Jesus fill him and strengthen him and empower him to continue to be the man of God that he is. We honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. <clears throat> Great. Uh, why don't you go with me to 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18. Verse 36 to 40. Uh, this, morning, uh, this morning I preached on uh, something different. I talked about um, the power of God's love and the question uh, that uh, we will get asked when we stand before Jesus at the gates of eternity is, did you learn to love well? And uh, I want to encourage you to uh, get that, download that on podcast, listen to it, and it just helps to get the focus back. But tonight, I want to go in a different direction, and uh, we're going to look at uh, the prophet Elijah and uh, his encounter with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, 1 Kings 18, verse 36, and it says, And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. How many of us know the Bible is sometimes crazier than Hollywood? Um, and I think sometimes Hollywood gets their inspiration from Scripture. But anyway, um, I want to speak to you today uh, on the subject, let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Um, several years ago, uh, my wife and I decided that we needed to save some money to uh, buy a house. And, and uh, we decided to move out of our expensive uh, rental uh, property that we were in, talking about tenants. We were very good tenants. Bridey, and uh, and and so we we tried different scenarios and options about where to live and where to move. And my mentor, uh, Dr. Alan Meyer, said to me, "I think God's calling you back to live in Bible College." And I'm like, "I rebuke that in Jesus' name," because when I left Bible College, I'm like, "I'm never going back again." And uh, how many know God has a sense of humor? One way or the other, he'll get you back to where he wants you to go. And so we move our family of three kids and, uh, and my wife and I into this old Bible college dormitory. And it was filled with weeping and gnashing of teeth. And uh, I knew that things were different about this Bible college because in three nights in at 1 a.m. in the morning, 
uh, the smoke alarm over our bed went off. There was no smoke. There was no fire. We were all asleep. Nothing's going on. And, uh, and so the smoke alarm goes off. And uh, I, I wake up and I sort of give that thing a push and a, and, a, and a nudge as I'm half asleep and wondering what the heck's going on. The angels blowing their trumpets. What's happening? And uh, so the smoke alarm goes off. And uh, I hop back into bed, drifting off to sleep. Well, five minutes later, the smoke alarm goes off again. And, uh, and now we're all awake. And I said, you know, if that smoke alarm, I said to my wife, if that smoke alarm goes off again, I'm going to send it home to be with Jesus. Um, uh, and, and so little did I know that you could sort of push certain buttons and pull out batteries and all sorts of things. But you're half asleep. You don't know these things when you're half asleep. You just want rest. You want quietness. And so I'm in bed and you know what happens. The smoke alarm goes off again. And I don't know what happened, but the anointing of Sansom came on me and I just reached up to the roof and I pulled that whole smoke alarm out of the roof of that Bible college room, failing to realize that it was connected to an electrical circuit to every other smoke detector and smoke alarm in the entire Bible college. True story. And so the next thing, it was the angels blowing the trumpets for Jesus' return because in every Bible college students' room all over that Bible college as they're sleeping in the wee hours of the night, that smoke alarm went off with a blaring sound. And so, you know, students are starting to wander out of their rooms into the walkways and into the uh, corridors of that Bible college dormitory. I stuck my head out, was watching all the chaos. It was, it was unfolding. They're walking out in their pajamas, you know, picking their nose, scratching their bottoms and, and, and really angry. Who was it? that set the smoke alarms off. And I said, I don't know, but when I find out they're in trouble, I tell you. And, and we had to, they had to replace the whole uh, sort of smoke detector system in that Bible college. And to this day, no one knows that I was responsible. So let's just keep that our little secret. And, and, and so after all of that event, it took about 45 minutes to an hour to get all the batteries out of the smoke alarms. I realized you could just pull the battery out. And so, um, I, I hop back into bed, and uh, as usual, God speaks to me out of these crazy events in my life. And the Holy Spirit said to me, that smoke alarm is like some Christians. They make lots of noise, but they got no fire in them. Some of us as believers, we make lots of noise, but we don't actually carry the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And some believers are more about fire fighting than fire lighting. We're like spiritual fire extinguishers. How do you know that you've become a spiritual fire extinguisher? If you talk more about how people are bad rather than how good God is, you know you're starting to become a spiritual fire extinguisher. If your life is one of prayerlessness, you know that you're on the journey to becoming a spiritual fire extinguisher. If you're in an atmosphere of freedom and liberty and praise and worship and seeing God move and you sort of sit there with a bless me if you can attitude and want to sort of criticize and critique the service and the preaching, you're becoming a spiritual fire extinguisher. We've got to guard our hearts against quenching the fire of the Spirit in our lives and in the church that we are a part of. I was talking to a pastor one time and he said, I would love to see the Holy Spirit move more in our church, but that's just not our culture. And I'm thinking to myself, bro, change your culture. 
Who cares about, you know, what, what you think? That it, you're saying that basically the culture is, is stronger than you as the leader of that culture. If we're in environments where the Spirit of God is in, and there should be liberty and freedom and yet we find a restriction and a, a religious control about that, we've got to be the spiritual architects. Are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat? Do you simply measure the spiritual temperature in your connect group or in the church or in your own personal life or in someone's ministry or are you thermostat that actually changes the temperature? We're going to become spiritual thermostats that actually shift the atmosphere, shift the temperature. Don't wait until someone next to you gets a revelation of who God is and, and how great God is. Just, just start to have your own revival right there in that pew, in that seat. Don't wait till someone else yells out amen to the preacher. Just get your own voice happening. Get your own spirit engaged. Have your own revival wherever you are because you are the one who decides whether or not you're going to carry the fire of the Holy Spirit or, or whether you're just going to extinguish that fire wherever you see it. I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said, if the Holy Spirit was taken from the church today, 95% of the activity of the church would continue. But if the Holy Spirit was taken from the New Testament church, 95% of what the New Testament church did would stop. So you've got to ask yourself, if, if what I'm doing in my life if the Holy Spirit wasn't present, the Holy Spirit wasn't uh, active in my life, would my life just continue on? Just keep doing what I'm doing. How much are you doing out of the leading of the Holy Spirit? How much are you doing out of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? How much are you doing just out of your own effort and your own strength? You see, the Bible's clear. God never designed us to live without His fire and His presence burning inside of us. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Our lamps, our, our spirit is that altar that the spirit of God comes, the fire of God comes and empowers us and infuses us with the strength and, and energy that we need to live the life that God has called us to. A Christian without fire is a little bit like a Collingwood supporter with teeth. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And so, you know, it's a little bit like Essendon without drugs. And so, you know, there's just, <clears throat> there, 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 there's, just, there's just some things that just don't add up. So if you recall yourself a believer and yet you're not walking around and carrying the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life, something is wrong. Something is wrong. See, John Wesley said, set yourself on fire and people will come and watch you burn. He's talking about posturing yourself, positioning yourself in a place in your relationship with God and praying and seeking God until your heart is set on fire. Fire doesn't just sustain you in the things of God. Fire attracts people to you. I remember when uh, we had a chemistry lab in a high school near our house blow up. This was a few years ago. And uh, I, I come past about 20 minutes later and there's like hundreds of cars parked all over the place, all, all around the property of the school. Thankfully, no one was hurt. But the fire department's there and para paramedics are there and police are there and, and everyone is there and you're thinking, you know, what's going on? But what they're doing, they're just watching the sound and light show of the fire, right? Because fire attracts people. Well, in the same way, in Acts chapter 2, we're told that thousands of Jews were gathered in Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost 
And all of a sudden, the disciples were in an upper room, and they were praying and seeking God and confessing sin and being in unity for multiple days, waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says there came a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Jews that were gathered in Jerusalem start to see the evidence of the anointing and the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting in these disciples' lives, and they started together. Now, some critiqued it, as some will. Some Christians want to sort of hide away the things of the Spirit because they're worried about being criticized. Listen, whether, whether you're sort of walking in God or not, people are going to criticize you. I may as well get criticized for the things of the Spirit and for being on fire with the presence of God than being lukewarm in my relationship with God. If you're filled with the Spirit, don't be ashamed of that. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be embarrassed about that. Don't go, well, we got to sort of hide it away and make it a little bit more palatable and pretty for people to feel like, you know, they can access it and cope with it. I don't ever read anywhere in the Bible where God is really focused on helping people cope with His presence and him moving in a powerful way. No, no, he's more like wanting to scare the hell out of people to bring them into a place of a relationship with God where they say, surely God is in your midst. Surely God is here. Surely God is moving. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed of walking in the supernatural infilling of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need that power. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, why would Jesus go and say, I'm sending you a helper? I'm sending you someone who's going to give you power from on high. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. The Holy Spirit is the most seeker-sensitive person on the planet. He knows exactly what someone needs. And there's a whole bunch of people in Melbourne right now that are desperately wishing, hoping that there would be a church just like this one who'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. They may not articulate that. They may not understand that. But they're looking for signs of life. They're looking for signs and evidence of the reality of who God is. And if we hide away our walk with God, if we, we sort of extinguish and quench the fire of the Spirit in our lives because we don't want to offend people, because our faith is supposed to be private and not public, we are missing out on seeing people come into a relationship with Jesus, coming into their own freedom and liberty. We have got to be a church. We've got to be people that celebrate the fire and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 17 people are excited about that. Is anyone else excited about that today? You see, the book of Acts can be summarized in four statements. The book of Acts can be summarized in the Savior went up, the Spirit came down, the saints went out, the sinners came in. If you're looking for, for a, a, an exposition of the book of Acts, there it is right there. The Savior went up, the Spirit came down, the saints went out, the sinners came in. It's very simple. When, when, when Jesus gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, it was supposed to empower us to go and make disciples, to reach people far away from Him. 
I remember Dr. Alan Meyer telling me back in the day in the 1970s that there were a series of revival meetings at a church here in Melbourne where uh, Dr. Carlos Ortiz came and spoke over seven days. And he said by the end of those seven days, there was such a revival, such a move of God that reports got out in the community and sick people who'd called up for the ambulance and paramedics to come and pick them up were requesting the paramedics to take them to the church meeting first before they took them to the hospital because people were getting healed and people were getting transformed and there was no room left in the church. And so they tell me that that people were out on the flower beds of the property around the church, peering in through the windows, wanting to see the move of God that was taking place in that church. You see, the fire of God will not just sustain you. It will attract people to you like a moth to a flame. And if there's any people group on the planet that should be attractive to the world, you know, people are talking about, oh, the world's getting dark. The world's getting bad. I say awesome. Bring it on because when it gets darker, the light becomes greater. The fire of God burns brighter. Don't ever be worried about the world getting darker. In fact, the end of the book tells me the world's going to get darker. The world's going to get darker. It's going to get more pressured. It's going to get more intense. We're not afraid of it. We welcome it because on the other side of that, the end of the story, we win. On the other side of that, Jesus returns. On the other side of that, He creates a new heaven and a new earth. And we spend all eternity in the presence of the lion and the lamb. So what are you worried about? What are you freaking out about? It's going to get far worse than this. You just better make sure you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You just better make sure you got a prayer life. You just better make sure you got a word life. You just better make sure that you're living this thing. This thing is real. It's genuine. It's not fake. You're not hiding it away. But you've got a good reason every time someone asks you for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. See, the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation are known otherwise as the original frozen chosen. In other words, they're a church chosen by God, but they're frozen in their spirituality because they're lukewarm in their relationship with God. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever tasted anything lukewarm? It's not good. Lukewarm coffee, not good. Lukewarm tea, not good. Hot coffee, iced coffee, hot tea, iced tea, not bad. But, But lukewarm, you want to spit it out of your mouth. Well, when it comes to Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, or should I say Elijah, the the nation of Israel was lukewarm in their relationship with God. They had come under the influence and the religious control of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And under their corrupt leadership, they had abandoned their covenantal love towards God and had started to worship the, uh, uh, the false god, Baal. The Bible tells us, and if you do background study, that Baal was a sun god. He was created by uh, man to manipulate people for the king's agenda. And so God's man, Elijah, he decides enough is enough. And he starts to confront 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. And he challenges them to a basically like a competition on top of Mount Carmel. Now, can I say, no matter how bad it gets in a generation, God will always save a remnant. He will always raise up a person. He will always have his hand on a man or a woman and raise them up to be a voice, even if it's crying in the wilderness, to be a voice crying out, calling people back into a right relationship with God. 
The prophet Elijah was that person in his generation. And he said to all the prophets of Baal and Asherah, I challenge you, meet me on Mount Carmel and we're going to build altars and we're going to see which God is alive and is real and we'll know that by who answers by fire. And so they all roll up, all Israel rolls up to Mount Carmel and, and uh, prophets of Baal turn up with their tambourines and their knives and their outfits and they start doing the Baal dance on top of Mount Carmel and they build their altar, they cut up the bull and, 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 and they're like, they're, they're crying out and they're chanting and I love the Bible because the Bible allows mocking in a right context because Elijah starts to mock the prophets of Baal and Asherah. He does, you read it. He starts to say, well, maybe your God's having a power nap and he's asleep and, and and why is he not responding maybe he's constipated on the toilet that's in the original Hebrew and 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 you know maybe you know maybe he's just forgotten to turn up where's your God and so they things get really wild and chaotic and they start cut, cutting themselves so now it's becoming like a horror movie and now blood's flowing and it's getting out of control and yet the the, the false god Baal does not answer by fire Prophet Elijah says, now it's my turn. Build the altar. So they build the altar. They cut up the bull. They put the bull on top of the altar. They dig a trench around the altar and they saturate that altar with buckets of water, buckets of water, buckets of water. And then Elijah turns his gaze towards heaven and calls out to God and says, God, answer me by fire. And the Bible says the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Man's cutting themselves, man's chanting, working away, trying to get false gods to respond. But all of those gods are on the mute button. They do not have a voice. They do not have power. But when you call out to the creator of the heavens and earth, when you call out to the creator of all humanity and you ask him to respond and to move by fire in your life, I tell you, all of a sudden under the new covenant, guess what? Your heart is the altar of fire that God comes and consumes. And if there's Anything I've learned about the fire of God is that the fire of God will always fall on the altar of pure-hearted sacrificial worship. Will always fall on the altar of a pure heart, of sacrificial worship. You see, the Bible says in Romans 12:1, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. If you want to know what the first step towards God's power and fire is, it's called surrender. Presenting your body as a living sacrifice is the act of surrender. What is it that is occupying or preoccupying the altar of your heart? Have you made the things of this world more important to you on the altar of your heart than, than a pure-hearted love devotion towards Jesus? Is your career more important to you? Is money more important to you? Is sexuality more important to you? Is, is status and education more important to you? Because the fire of God does not fall on those things. The fire of God falls on a pure-hearted, sacrificial worship, a lifestyle, a heart that's dedicated to the things of God. Wherever God finds Himself looking to and fro throughout the earth, looking to show Himself strong, wherever He finds a heart that is pure, pure for him, that he's not preoccupied with the things of this world, you can guarantee the fire will fall. 
the fire of God will always fall on that heart. You see, fire in the natural start when three elements come together. You've got to have these three elements. You've got to have a combustible material, first of all. You've got to have an oxygen-rich compound, and you've got to have a heat source. Well, guess what? In the supernatural, the baptism of fire happens when three elements come together. First of all, you've got to have a combustible material. What's that? That's you and I. You and I can combust in the presence of God with the fire of God. Next, we need an oxygen-rich compound. What's that? That's Jesus. Jesus said, I am, uh, have come that you may have life and life in all of its fullness and abundance. Wherever Jesus is, there is spiritual oxygen. There is spiritual liberty. There is spiritual freedom. He is the oxygen-rich compound. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've, uh, sorry, you've got you. You've got the Holy Spirit, and then you have a heat source. What's the heat source? The Holy Spirit. And when those three elements come together, you, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, a baptism of raging fire starts to happen in your soul and in your life, and you're never the same again. Many of us wonder, well, you know, what is it? Sometimes that blocks the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Spirit in our life. Well, Acts chapter 2 tells us that the pattern is to repent of any known sin in our life. If there are sins that are unconfessed, if there are sins that we're tolerating and entertaining have become a part of our lifestyle and our habits, these are things that will often be blockages in our experience of the fire of God in our life. The next thing we need to do is simply ask because if we ask, He's a giver of good gifts, we shall receive. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You'd be surprised. God is waiting for His people to ask Him for some daring things, some greater things. You have not because you ask not. We repent of sin. We ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, we worship until the fire comes. We don't stop worshiping. We don't stop tarrying. We don't stop praying. Don't pray one time. And if you didn't work, say, oh, well, this thing doesn't work. Don't give one time and say, well, giving doesn't work in the kingdom of God. Don't, don't, don't persist through one challenge or one circumstance and say, this faith thing doesn't work. No, we worship, we pray, we persist and we give, we fast and we press in until the fire comes. I mean, the parable of the persistent widow, I was reading it this morning in my devotion, so inspirational. She just demanded justice from that judge. And though the judge did not care about her or, or, or whether or not she got justice, he had to give her what she was demanding because she was so persistent, she was going to wear him down. And the story is told to tell us that unlike the judge, God on the opposite spectrum is a giver of good gifts. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit. He wants to bless you with resource to be a blessing to others. He wants to give you what you need so that you can do what you are called to do, but we've got to persist until the fire comes. Many of us are just persisting and then we give up. Persist until. I love the resolve of Jacob when he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I don't know about you, but in my spirit, in my heart, at this stage of my life, uh, I've got to, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
Until you bless me, until you bring through what I'm believing for, I refuse to step out of this posture of prayer. I refuse to step away until my sister is saved, until more lives are changed, until more of the Melbourne becomes more and more like the kingdom of our God. We cannot stop until we got to persist until we see the breakthrough. Bible says in that passage, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? Implying that faith requires persistence, that when God returns, when Jesus returns for the second coming of Christ and, and, and takes us home to be with him, will he find a persistent people with a persistent faith? If you haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit yet, don't check out, don't walk away, don't give up, persist until you do. Worship until the fire comes. You may have had someone pray for you and it hasn't happened yet. Come down again and receive again. You may get prayed tonight and it doesn't happen in that moment, but you'll wake up in the middle of the night speaking your head off and, and, and all of a sudden you'll have an encounter with God that will change your life. Dreams and visions will manifest. Prophecies will start. you say, what is happening to me? What's happening is you're being possessed, filled, anointed by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And if you're going to do what God is calling you to do in this culture, in this generation, if we're going to be lights in the midst of darkness. We need the fire of God. We need the presence of God. I just feel the anointing just begin to dial up a little bit in this room right now. I feel like someone is just getting a little bit combustible in this room right now. Someone is, is saying, you know what? I've been complacent. I've been tolerating sin. I've been, I've been entertaining things that are lesser than me. God says, lift your vision. Lift your requests, lift your faith, lift your expectation, lift your hope, lift your courage, lift your faith. Your salvation is drawing near. Your victory is coming to you. Today is the day of salvation. Where does it all begin? It begins with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what Pastor Raph fed me for lunch, but I'm a happy camper right now. Is anyone having fun in this place today? Here's the deal. Once your heart is ablaze, though, you've got to keep the, the fire of your spirit stoked so it doesn't go out. You've got to keep stoking the fire of your spirit. You remember youth camp or school camp when they had a campfire going around? I remember being at youth camp and came to that time, you know, of that kumbaya moment where, where I was sitting next to a pretty girl and I wanted to hold her hand and kumbaya was a good reason to do that. I said, this is a holy moment. We need to hold hands. Kumbaya. And you start to sing and, yeah, it's a powerful moment. And, and, and you're singing and you're there and, and you, you look at the campfire and this is what you work out. Unless you keep stoking that fire, fire, it's going to go out. The blaze of that furnace, the fire in that furnace is going to go out unless someone tends to it, unless someone takes care of it. Some of us are trying to live off a God encounter we had at last year's conference. Some of us are trying to live off a God encounter that we had last weekend. And it's a little bit like the Tarzan effect where each Sunday is like a vine and we swing from Sunday to Sunday and, and we, we sort of, you know, bottom out at Wednesday. Um, I'm auditioning for the creative team, by the way. And we bottom out. I have done singing. We bottom out at, at Wednesday and it's like, oh, you know, they call it hump day. Just get over the hump on Wednesday and, and, and down towards the weekend. And it's sort of like we, we, we're Tarzaning our way from closer conference to closer conference. And Tarzaning our way from Sunday to Sunday, 
When actually 24-7, 365 days a year, you can be filled with the present continuous power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've just got to plug back into the generator. If you're unplugged right now, just plug back in. Just recharge yourself. How do you recharge yourself? You just get in the presence of God. It's not rocket science. It's not complex. You just maybe turn some worship music on or maybe not. However it works, create your own worship music, as I do, and just begin to plug into the generator of the Spirit. Just get lost in the things of God. Start to lift up your voice. Begin to tell God how amazing He is. It's amazing how God is attracted to people who tell Him how amazing He is. You want to hang out with people who tell you how amazing you are. You get encouraged, you want to be around it. Well, God's the same. You start praising Him and telling Him how amazing He is, which is just being honest and true. All of a sudden, He makes His presence felt. He makes his, his, us aware that He is here, that He is wanting to do it. You know, when I was six years of age, I got baptised in the Holy Spirit. And when you're six years of age, it's either real or it's real. You can't fake it. You can't make it up. This thing is genuine. I came down the front. A man of God laid hands upon my head. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. This bubble up came up in my belly and then out of my mouth came uh, uh, new tongues and, and, and I was, I've been never the same from that day forward. But here's the deal. If I'm relying off an encounter I had when I was six years of age, I'm not going to have the fire that is necessary to be able to sustain the call of God on my life today. His mercies are new every morning. When Israel was in the wilderness, the manna was fresh every day. I need fresh manna and new mercies every morning, every day. I need a new encounter and I can because He is always there. The helper, we're singing it tonight. The helper is always there. He's called the wonderful counsellor. He doesn't cost anything. It's free therapy. Often we're looking at man and we're running to the pastor and the pastor's getting burnt out. We're running to the connect group leader and we're running to the phone instead of the throne and we run to all these people when actually all we need to do is plug back into the wonderful counsellor, the almighty God. You see, I, I heard a story about uh, believers in China on the underground church. In order to work out where church is that week, they have to get a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. Because they can't market or publicize it. Because, you know, if they do, they'll get caught and get in trouble. So if you can't hear from the Holy Spirit, guess what? You're not turning up to church that week and you're not turning up to church. And next week, if that was left up to us, we'd maybe not have anyone here. But I tell you, when you're plugged into the Holy Spirit, you start to get a download from heaven. You can start to hear for yourself. Many of us have sort of passed the buck onto our pastors, leaders and teachers to hear from God, pay the price to hear from God. When God says, I want all of my people, the entire church, hearing my voice, filled with my spirit, living a life of victory and overcoming. But it, got to come, it comes back to a decision of your heart to present your body as a living sacrifice. Allow the fire of God to consume the altar of your life. I want to ask you tonight, was there a time in your life where you were more on fire for God than you are today? Because unfortunately, the spiritual biography of many a Christian reads was once ablaze. Was once ablaze. I used to pray, don't do that so much anymore. I used to read my Bible, don't do that so much. I used to give generously, don't do that so much anymore. Some things happen. I used to reach out and 
be kind to people. Don't do that so much anymore because my heart got hurt. I got wounded. Someone said something nasty to me. And now I'm just sort of, you know, maybe just like Bridie was talking about, just, just sort of tolerating being a tenant in the house of God, not being someone who carries the heart of an owner. I'm just sort of in and out. It's sort of surface level relationship with God. And as long as I'm seen at the right places at the right time, at the right events, we'll scrape through. Listen, that is not what God's purpose and destiny for you is. He wants you to come into a place where you are white hot with His presence in passionate love with Him. I'm encouraging you to follow hard after God in this day and age. We need people that are on fire with the Holy Spirit and it is available to every single believer in this room. Heard a story about in Yosemite Park uh, when rangers would identify a range or a series of dead trees, they would do a routine burning off. And before they do the routine burning off, they would yell, let the fire fall. And the fire would come and consume that dead tree and burn it up. And I began to think about how in our lives, sometimes we are lukewarm. Sometimes our spirits are dead. But I came here to prophesy over somebody tonight, let the fire fall. Just as it fell on that altar with the prophet Elijah all those thousands of years ago, the same God of Elijah is the same God of Bridge Church. It's the same God of you. It's the same God of me. It's the same God of Melbourne. It's the same God of Australia. What God's doing in Latin America right now, what God is doing in Indonesia, Indonesia, the largest Islamic country on earth, is having an unprecedented revival. Nearly uh, uh, 35, 40% of Indonesians attending church. The fire of God is moving. The power of God is moving. I just came back from Poland. Churches are being planted in 700 cities across Poland that never have had in the history a thousand years of Poland an evangelical church in it. Why is this happening? Because the fire of God is on the move. God is moving and God is stirring. Don't believe all the hype of the media. Don't believe all the hype, all the voices that parrot off, all the facts and all the things that we should be paying attention to and listening. Let me tell you, God always works from the ground up. He always works from the ground up. It's always in the background. It's always in secret. But the church has never been stronger on planet Earth than it is right now. You say, how do I know? Because I see it all over the planet. I see it. God is moving. You should see what God's doing in Perth and Western Australia right now. Let me tell you, there is a tsunami of revival starting in the West Coast of Australia. And I'm telling you, it's coming east. The move of God is happening in our nation. But if you're not plugged into the generator, what happens is you become a spectator rather than a participator. And you become a critiquer of the move of God rather than an experiencer of the move of God. Wherever you are tonight, if you feel like, you know what, I feel like one of those dead trees in Yosemite Park, that lukewarm church in Laodicea, I just prophesy, let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet with me tonight? Band's gonna come. The band is gonna lead us on. I'm gonna invite you tonight, if you'd like to receive prayer for your life, for where you're at, for something going on in your life, but most importantly, for your own relationship with God. Maybe you've become complacent. Maybe you've lacked that fire, that energy, that spirit, that strength that you need. There's going to be some people down the front that are going to pray with you. And we didn't plan this, but we're always ready for anything. And tonight I want to invite you, whatever you need, whatever you're seeking God for, just step out in faith. Just step out in faith. Come and stand. Come and receive prayer. And as you pray and as you repent of some stuff and as you ask the Holy Spirit to come and as you worship, 
The fire of God will come. The fire of God will consume. So why don't you come and pray as we worship and sing together. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about Pastor Corey's books and speaking itinerary, please connect to his ministry website on coreyturnerministries.com.